welcome to Everything is Television. My name is Justin Blizzard. I'm joined by Keith Krepko and Rob Adams. We're currently watching AMC's Preacher, and today we're going to talk about the pilot episode that aired last night. Um, Rob, you were, I, I feel like you had the, the biggest connection with the series, and you probably had the most anticipation out of all of us. So, what were your general impressions of the pilot? As soon as it started, it was, I, I loved the opening because it was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, it's going to, we're going to go a little crazy. We're going to go a little kooky. The tone in the comic is very uh, not serious. It's very like spastic and crazy, right? Yeah. So I, I liked that they had like the cardboard cutouts and that kind of stuff. And that, that seemed a little goofy. That, that seemed appropriate. But then the start of the show was really slow. And I didn't like it. And if it wasn't Preacher and it wasn't AMC and it wasn't Sam Caitlin, I may have turned it off. Really? Like if I if I if I if I had just come empty to it, because it started off very, very slow, very, very boring. For me, it wasn't until the second act, until I guess um Ars Face or Eugene gets introduced, mm-hmm. that that's when it it really felt more like the comic to me and and um felt like a more fun show the the introduction of the characters you know i wasn't really sold on all of those that's interesting because i feel like i feel like this happens a lot where i hear i hear people reference usually it comes down to uh films and people say like oh this is a slow film and then i i watch it prepared for you know an hour and a half of nothing happening and within 15 minutes, like someone dies and then there's a chase scene 20 minutes later. And I'm like, what are they talking? Like, how is this slow? So when you say slow, I mean, we do have a preacher explode within the first five minutes of the show. Sure. You but know, he was a throwaway character. You know, mm-hmm. clearly we, we don't need to get to know that guy. I think that was more setting the tone than like um, trying to tell any story elements I think maybe my problem was having a history with these characters. Everybody was so different than than I had expected them to be that I was maybe a little confused, maybe a little taken aback. Um, the stuff with Jesse walking around being a preacher, you know, I, I get for the you know for the ending of the episode that to tie it all into a nice little bow that that needed to happen, but it seemed like that took an awful long time. You didn't think that part was slow? I, I don't know. Not not really. I think, and maybe it's because I don't have a history with, history with the characters, that I was more intrigued by their different take. And especially with, with Jesse, um, I really like Dominic Cooper um, as Jesse. So, number one, I think I like the actor in what he's doing. He didn't come off as you know playing into or playing up this kind of like badass preacher you know persona which i was afraid of and uh so i i you know i guess if you you know you you see this guy who is kind of doesn't care losing his faith you have a conversation about a man who beats his wife and 
so they they are kind of like they're you know they're setting things up so i, I wasn't too bored because i was thinking okay at some point he's going to confront that guy so they're just setting that up so that's fine but then you move immediately into the introduction of cassidy right which is like a huge set piece fight scene on a plane that didn't stand out like are you saying even the introductions or tulip it, who you see build a bazooka out of a bunch of tin cans you know like with cassidy it, it kind of came out of left field for me because there were all these weapons on the plane uh-huh. and they're trying to kill him clearly and i guess the violence is intended to be over the top it seemed not cheesy but it it seemed unrealistic. See, I and, I, I took it as genre, de, de, you know, defying. Like I feel like you you can almost mash together three different genres in Jesse, Cassidy, and Tulip. I got there at the end, but okay. building building towards that, I wasn't on board at first, and then it was strange that people were specifically seemed to be hunting Cassidy. Yeah, uh, I'm with I, you maybe. On that. If, Maybe if we get this out of the way, it'll it'll make some of the other conversations a little bit easier. These are not the characters that are in the comic books. No. Right. And I need to just take a step back and say, this is a completely different interpretation of Preacher. This is not what this is this is not a retelling of the comics. This is this is essentially taking the skeleton of the comics and doing what they want and, and putting an entirely different body on it. Mm-hmm. So I think I was expecting a little more, okay, the Cassidy, I know the tulip, I know the Jesse, I know. And basically I got the names and the skeletons and now I have to learn these new stories. So as I was building and watching it, cause I only watched it one time. Mm-hmm. It took a while to get to that point for me. And it, it was the arse face scene. That's when things turned around for me. But it was like, I didn't know if I liked it for a long time because it was so different. But you feel like you liked it because it was different? Yeah. Or you just along for the ride? Yeah, I, I kind of want to knock it over to, to, to Justin to hear his take. But I, I did really enjoy these characters in, in the sense of this iteration of the characters now i haven't completely finished the 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 run of the comics i'm about halfway through so their stories have not kind of completely um they they haven't wrapped up for me so i haven't completed like an emotional journey with the comic book characters that is its own separate kind of experience you know i'm kind of experiencing them both together so i think maybe for me it was a little easier to make that transition from the comics to the tv series because they're running concurrently you know i think with you having distinct experiences with these properties i could see how it could take some time to adjust what do you think justin yeah i think the big i think it I think it's kind of a Rob. I think for you, it's, it is kind of a culture shock because it is so different from the comics. And I've read even less of the comics than you have, Keith. And I'll even say that the the only thing I really like about the comics is the skeleton. I like the I like the characters, 
I like the setup, but the characters are, I mean, they're comic book characters, which I guess is not really my thing, but they're not nuanced. They're very over the top. You, you know what I mean? They're just mm-hmm. kind of like, they're balls to the wall. Sure. And the show has been, I, I think, I, and I think it's purposeful in, in making Jesse's um, setup and all of his scenes, um, minus what starts to happen towards the end, I think, are very low key. They're very subtle. There's a lot of nuance in them. And then you get Cassidy's introduction, which is cranked up to 11 for two minutes. And then it goes back to this slow-paced, small Texas town. And then you get the tulip intro scene, which is cranked up to 11. And so I think that that was done on purpose. I don't know how that will play out throughout the rest of the series, if they'll continue to mix and match like that, or if it will be like... A middle ground because after the first episode they're all in the same place now um but the comics themselves are more or less at 11 from page one all the way through there isn't much downtime in the comics and 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 the impression i get from jesse in the comics is that he is the protagonist but he's still kind of an asshole right like he's not that likable of a guy. He's still kind of a jerk and he's kind of uh he's just not as relatable as the Jesse that they're putting forth in the show. Well, do you remember his his uh youth? Have you gotten <laughs> to his youth of grandma? Sure, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like the grown-up character You'd that we're following. You'd be a jerk following. too if you were stuck in a coffin at the But bottom I mean of that's but that the, his character in the comic just Jesse alone is completely different. From, oh, yeah. from what oh, they're doing uh, yeah. in the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's a big... I mean, with all that being said, I liked it. I thought it was really good. I'm definitely, you know, want to watch more. I, I did like it a lot. Um, there are a lot of things that I just think they did really well. But again, I don't have the connection to the comics. And that's why in, the, in our first episode, I wanted to kind of explore what we're looking for going into it because one of because for example going into the walking dead series i had read a lot of the comics before the show started and then i watched the whole first season and at the end of it i found myself unsatisfied i didn't like the show at all and it was because they deviated so much from the comics but at the same time i'm asking myself well why is that a bad thing i get that's just not that doesn't seem like a a good excuse to not like something but going but going into it i guess i was just expecting the comics you know what i mean so i guess i just find it to be an interesting question do you you know why why are we why do you not like it is is it because you just don't like how it's playing out or is it because you wanted a faithful recreation of the comic or did you want like a, a middle ground is that maybe that's um, what you're feeling, Rob, is that it's you don't want a, you know, a panel for panel uh, remake of the comic, but it seems like it's maybe so far off base that you can't relate to it at all. It's very far um, mm-hmm. and it took a little time to get accustomed to it, to get used to it. Yeah. Um, I'm still I'm along for the ride. I'm going to enjoy it, I'm sure. I liked it at the end. I, I mean, it was only an hour and a half. And I, at, at some point, you know, I checked my 
my remote to see if it was almost done because I didn't want it to be done. You know, I wanted him to get the damn power and I, I wanted to see I wanted to see that happen. I didn't want him to get the power and then have the episode end. And then we had to wait two weeks to see him use it. You know, I, I wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as as terrible as it may sound, I wanted that scene to play out exactly as it played out. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, open your heart scene, right? <laughs> yes, that is exactly what I wanted. That's exactly where they went, uh-huh. and um, yeah. So that that was a pretty satisfying ending for me. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting when you think about the role of adaptation when it comes to preacher and like what Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are I doing. Believe so, mm-hmm. um, be, because they they are. Anytime you're given an adaptation, you have a tricky task, but I think. They're doing a great job because they're they're balancing expectation and they're shorthanding some things. So, you know, the moment that Jesse kind of reveals how badass he can be is basically him, you know, is basically set up in scene one with him. And you see that confrontation coming, mm-hmm. you know. And then with Cassidy, you give him these you know, kind of vampire hunters that are after him that aren't in the comic book. But those are shorthand ways, I think, of giving people access to these characters, but they still manage to pull the scenes off. And I think that's the thing, like the confrontation at the end um, where Jesse breaks the arm of this guy, of this, you know, abusive father. Um, I saw that coming a million miles away Yet when it happened, I still found myself like connecting to the scene and and invested in what happened and how it happened. And I think that's how you know that you're in the good hand you're in good hands of of people who are doing an adaptation. Because I think to me, it represents them knowing what they need to shorthand in a story, what they can shorthand and how they can still make it interesting, but then also what knowing what they need to give you in a character beat or arc or, or story arc. And I think they've managed to mix genres, mix styles, like you said, with the very beginning, which when the you know show started, I was like, I literally checked my TV to make sure they didn't <laughs> record from another mm-hmm. station, you know? And um, when I saw it was, it was Preacher, I literally... I thought like I was still getting settled. I thought I'd have like a few seconds to get settled. And that made me like pause everything and wait until I was fully ready to watch because I was like, these guys are, are doing something, you know? So I think to me, if you, for, and for me, if, if I analyze the pilot on based on story structure, based on how they did it um, or told the story, stylistically i i honestly i don't know that i can point to like a bum note you know um and i think anything that felt kind of slow or awkward i i i have a feeling like it could be paid off still in the future so for me the pilot just you know completely worked uh on on every level that they were trying to to make it work on i think Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about um, the introductions. So we've we talked we've touched on some of these a little bit, um, 
So what did you, how did you guys feel about the, the, how, how, how they handled Genesis, this, uh, sort of celestial (laughs) creature. And uh, we talked a little bit about it, but, um, the voice, what Keith, I know that you were skeptical of the voice. So how did you feel about the voice being used? Because it was used by Jesse, but mm-hmm. it was also used by the African preacher, preacher in the beginning, mm-hmm. and they're different. Mm-hmm. So, what did you? How did you feel about that? Yeah, I I actually really like the way that they did it. Um, in both ways, or yeah, just with Jesse? Yeah, no, I think I think in the first way, what you what you had or what I felt was a man being overwhelmed by the power that he had been invested with. Mm-hmm. So you have this kind of like booming voice. Thing that they do like an amplif- amplified voice but to me it just it's it felt like an overflowing of the power that he couldn't control which is why then he exploded mm-hmm. when jesse does it it's much more in control and i i can't even specifically remember the choices that they made stylistically with it but I know that they weren't as intense. All I remember is like a zoom in on his face kind mm. of thing, right? Did they do anything well, else? Well, with Jesse, it was less, I felt like it was less of a voice manipulation. And it was more about like the surrounding sounds. Like there's a lot yeah. more ambient noise. Right. No, and, and that's exactly, and I think that it speaks to his control, you know? And so the first guy, no control, booming voice, he explodes. To me, it fit. With Jesse, there was a moment in the way that they filmed it that I was afraid that I myself was going to go be honest with my mother and cut my heart out. Mm-hmm. It just, he, it conveyed, I think the power and the seriousness with which he, he spoke it. So for me, it worked, even though there's no clear you know, in the comics, his eyes turn red, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no clear identifiable moment of him turning the word on and turning it off, but they still managed to convey the power. For me, mm-hmm. by not doing an overt kind of huge spectacle. As a story beat, the preacher, the uh, African preacher stuff worked out really well. Like you said, you know, he says, be quiet and they all be quiet and he can't control it. And that was awesome. And then Jesse uses it. And it, it, I guess, it, you know, it was still it was a powerful section because, you know, he's he's frustrated with this guy mm-hmm. and he goes and he just he says that stuff. And I thought story-wise, very cool. But audio-wise, I I didn't like that it was kind of like, okay, well, we're all going to... Are, are we listening to the inside of his head? Is that what we're hearing? Um, It's it, like it, it, everything gets muted, and it's like right. it's this, this strange... He doesn't use the word too often, but it's... It, I don't know how else to portray it, you know, besides the red eyes, you know, and the bold red type that you know that they use in the comics i don't know how to show that on a tv screen mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't know that i liked the, the the sound of it yeah i agree i and to keith's point i feel like i understand the approach but i feel like the audio effects should have been reversed to to handle that approach because I feel like it would have made more sense if the African preacher had started becoming overwhelmed with everything around him because he couldn't control the voice. Whereas Jesse, who has full control of the voice, is able to channel it through his voice. 
You know what I mean? So it feels like all of these surrounding sounds should not be a factor in it. And I just think that the African preacher's voice sounded cooler <laughs> than Jesse's did. Well, I think I think what's interesting, and th- there's not a lot to go on really with this pilot episode about faith, about actually digging into what they could be saying about spirituality. Um, there, there obviously is a little, I think, especially at the end, but... Yeah. But what I will say is if you if you look in the Bible that anytime you talk about uh someone who has the has the has this power, like if you look at Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. If he's calming a sea or whatever, it's it's always him like just speaking over it. It's not like Jesus was like screaming to be heard or was yelling at the top of his lungs to, you know, make something happen. Mm-hmm. He, he had control in the biblical story of in such a way that he could just speak it and have it happen. And I don't think that, um, you know, I always interpret it as like, there's a huge storm and Jesus just says like, calm down and it all stops. So mm-hmm. I, I think, it's it's interesting that you might go back and say like if somebody had the power of the word of god that they would when they used it they would sc- they would boom their voice would carry mm-hmm. but if you look back in the biblical record i don't know that that's true and and i like the idea that the the, the power is this contained you know uh kind of centralized force uh, behind the words, but it's, but it doesn't come out in a, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I guess, I, I guess I just like the idea that like Jesus was a man like everyone else that no one would sit there and say like, Oh my goodness, look at that dude. He's like floating across the, you know, he's floating, you know, over the ground instead of walking like, yeah. or he looks any different than us or like, Oh, this man's speaking in a way that's different than us or, Oh, look, this guy's eyes glow red when he speaks. There's something to, you know, the power in his voice. It's just in the, in his words, mm-hmm. you know. I, I'm not doing a great job of explaining it, but the no, essence is there. Sure. Okay. What would you do otherwise if, if you were in charge? Justin or me? I'm fine with the African preacher's voice. That would have been fine with me. Justin, really? did you hear my five minute? I did. T- explanation yep. just now. I heard it. Okay, I obviously didn't do. It. I'll I'll need to brush up on my uh-huh. rhetorical skills for next time. Well, I, first of all, I don't think that the this show is that tuned in with representing the Bible. Well, look, despite I, it being called preacher. Well, look, that, that I mean that that's the thing. I I think it's interesting to you know kind of work through as the show goes along how much they're interested in you know, the blood and the gore and how interested they are in depth of character or, or investigation, you know? So and I think that you can have both. So I'm hoping preacher has both, but as a stylistic choice, I think that if you wanted to make a, a religious argument, I think it is there to have it be the non-booming voice. Okay. So I think you are based on <laughs> the word of God. You are wrong. Okay. You are now objectively wrong. <laughs> Sure. So I'm guessing you're fine with the representation at the end of the episode. 
Of of what specific? Of the voice. I don't remember it being drastically different. I need yeah. to rewatch. I guess I'd have to rewatch it too. I just remember there being a lot more ambient noise. And I don't feel like his voice was changed that much. Anyways, way more time spent than I actually wanted to spend talking about just the voice. <laughs> um, Rob, you talked a little bit about Cassidy's introduction. How did that work for you in the episode? It's the, it's the kind of the first big thing that happens in the episode. Did you feel like it was at least like a faithful to Cassidy's character, even though that doesn't happen in the comics, right? No. And there aren't like vampire hunters in the comics. <laughs> I I read it as it came out. I am rereading it now. I'm approximately halfway through. Yeah. There are no vampire hunters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do not remember it. Any vampire hunters, but it is possible that, you know, later on in the series, maybe there are. Sure. Um the first thing I think about Cassidy is I need subtitles because I cannot understand that guy. <laughs> really? I think I'm missing some really funny jokes, <laughs> but he talks so fast yeah. that I have a hard time with him. Um, so I was trying to figure out, was, was he the one, uh, when I'm watching it, is he a hitman and he's taking these guys out? No. And then I figure out, no, they are trying to take him out. Right. And then there's some weird Bible in there, you mm-hmm. know, that some crazy person wrote all over. Yeah, there's some kind of fanatics. And the impression I got is they're some kind of fanatical sect and they're hunting down vampires, I guess. Well, and Cassidy's only, I'm imagining Cassidy's only role in it is that he was just there to have a good time as. You know what I mean? Somebody who's been alive for thousands of years. Right. Like they, they hired him away as exactly. their bartender. Right. And he was like, yeah. sure. Yeah. I'll be your bartender on your private jet. Right. The, the thing is though, that you do have in the comics, you do have, um, Jesse lashing out at Cassidy and right. calling him an, an abomination. abomination. Yeah. So I, I think that it speaks to the adaptation that Seth, Rogan maybe read into Jesse calling him an abomination and to say in this universe where vampires do exist, that people of faith could identify him as an abomination because Jesse does, you know, no, Jesse isn't on a quest to kill him, but I think you could extrapolate in that universe and very easily come to vampire hunters. Sure. So what do you think of the uh, introduction of Cassidy, Justin? Uh, I mean, outside of the vague kind of weird setup, I thought it was fine. And they don't spend a lot of time on the setup. It's more or less just there to have this action scene, which is I'm fine with. Yeah. Did he explode when he landed on the ground? Well, that's the other thing, too. Yeah, he lands on the ground. He explodes, more or less, because you see his guts everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. But he's kind of, I mean, he's in a crater, and he's kind of in shade, but at the same time, it's kind of like, he's not really in, in the shade. middle of a field in a crater. like. Well, and, and the sun moves. So, exactly. So it's not like you've been dragging your guts uh, along that shadow. Right. You, you've been laying out in the sun. And that's one thing that I, that, that I question is, in the show, they really, they really put low stakes on... 
Cassidy being out in the sun. I mean, he comes in in the church at the end to hear Jesse preach and he's just kind of hanging out there in the church and it's day. And I was like, how'd he get there mm-hmm. in the shade? And, uh, Maybe he how- walks around with an umbrella. Yeah. He lives and- in the, he lives in the attic of the church. <laughs> so no, that's the truth. Remember? Oh, okay. That, and then he, so he just comes, he just came down for oh, the sermon. He so he didn't have to go outside. The there you go. Well, there, you learn something new every day. Emily, the new character, um, that doesn't exist in the comic in any form. She's the one that said that Cassidy was there and that he moved into the attic and then he he fixed the air conditioning. Oh wow! I oh. somehow missed that entire. Yeah, how did exchange. I miss that? <laughs> She's the um, woman that works with Jesse. Yes. Okay. That that explained why he was still at the church. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, that would have been really confusing. Well, well, I mean, leave it, leave it just to the crater then. You know, I mean, like he just doesn't. He doesn't seem to be terribly afflicted by the yeah, sun. They seem to or be too right. worried. Pretty low stakes. But at the same time, there is a moment in the comic where he gets pushed out of a window in broad daylight. And then well, the next panel, he's completely alive. And he's like, hey, thanks for throwing that blanket on me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's going like, all right. <laughs> Super blanket. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the stakes seem pretty low for him, which which uh, you know is fine because I think I think they they are narrowing the focus of of their story. It's not going to be, you know, like here's the episode when Cassidy almost goes in the sun again. Right. You know, I think they're kind of saying we don't care about that. At least we also know Holy Walter doesn't work, so we can also <laughs> assume that um, he doesn't have to be invited in places. Right. We don't have to worry about garlic. You know, it, there won't be any of that crap. The holy water scene was pretty funny. Yeah, exactly. I, at first I thought it was lighter fluid. I thought so too. I thought they were going to set him on fire. And then um, then when he drank from that cork from that from that guy, yeah, that's, that's pretty badass. Yeah, mm. that's a great visual. Yeah. You guys could understand him fine? Uh, I don't remember any s- losing any specifics. I don't think at least. Yeah, I think okay. I, I was a huge fan of Misfits and a fan mm-hmm. of him. He's been in a few movies too. So I think I've just adapted to his speech pattern. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, let's talk about Tulip. She's black, first of all. Do you want to re-record <laughs> <right>. your tone? <laughs> <laughs> um, so she has the same sort of high energy... Uh, opening scene introduction. Um, she appears to be a lot more competent hitman slash assassin than she is in the comics, right? Because in the comics, she's kind of like she gets reeled into this thing begrudgingly, and she completely botches her first job, and she's not really a hitman. Whereas in this introduction, she's like, she's she's on it, right? Um, she somehow gets a car to drive through a cornfield without anyone pressing on the accelerator for five yeah, minutes. <laughs> that that was one. That was the one thing where I, where they showed the the dead guy next to her slump over, and I was like, "Are we supposed to think this hand is pushing the gas? Like, how is the car keeping its acceleration?" Mm-hmm. Um, but they, I don't think it would be an issue if it didn't if it wasn't going on for so long. I mean, that scene is yeah. really long. Yeah, and it's always exce- yeah. So I that that's the one, that's the one nit 
that I would pick with this is sure. Why not just explain the acceleration? You know, have a foot, the dead man's foot fall on the gas or whatever. Yeah. Rob, how did you feel about Tulip's introduction? I liked her scene with the kids. I didn't like any scene of her with Jesse. Um, really? She seems like a, like a bad influence almost. Like she wants to go on this job. He doesn't want to go on the job. He wants mm-hmm. to be, you know, the preacher. And she's pushing him to do this other stuff. Um, but when she was with the kids, she was really cute. I thought that was really funny. Um, I liked seeing the kid, like the mom, the, the mom, the kid. She's like, I'm 10. I'm in charge. Right. Um, you know, I thought that was that was pretty funny. Um, I'm glad we didn't have to watch that bazooka work, because if you want if you want to pick nits, <laughs> that would be the one that I pick. Yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> yeah. No, it, but but that was great. That that was that's great. True. And see that in that. And that again goes back to like all these little touches of adaptation where you know you're in good hands like i think they know what to do with their characters what we need to see to set them up and where to spend their budget and their budget is not on the bazooka of children's toys and um cans aluminum cans right Mm. You, you get to see that played out through the children in the in the cellar um, which I thought was I thought was fantastic. I thought Tulip was great in in her introduction. It may be intentional, but um, if they're going to end up together, Jesse and Tulip, they had, there's a lot of work that has to happen to get yeah. from from here to there, and that may be why I didn't like them together at all. Yeah, I was, I was going to say I think again, it's just I think it's another the the Cassidy. Um, the Cassidy uh, Jesse relationship seems to be fairly intact. The the uh, the Tulip and Jesse one does not though. But I think again, that's kind of maybe a symptom of them just grabbing these characters and doing with them whatever they want to. Mm-hmm. But I liked Tulip a lot. I liked I've liked I liked all the characters to be yeah. honest. I wanted to jump to something in our notes quickly. Uh, because I think this is the last kind of major character that gets introduced. Hugo Root, the sheriff, right? Yep. What did you guys think of Root? He's another character. Again, they're taking the character and it, it he feels a little bit more closely related to what's in the comic. But there seem to be some key differences to me. The impression I got from his very first scene is he seems a little bumbling, right? He doesn't seem like, like in the comic, he's like a hardcore, mm-hmm. by the book, in control, everyone bows to this guy, Sheriff. And I just didn't get that impression right off the bat from him. But he's also, his uh, wife is alive, but she appears to be catatonic, right? Mm-hmm. She's not alive in the comics, right? No. And he's obviously the uh, father of Arse, Arseface. So, Rob, you've, you've talked a lot about how the Arseface scene is what got you uh, on board initially. So how did you feel about the handling of Hugo Root and Arseface? I love Hugo Root in the comic because he's a terrible person. Yeah. It's, it's great to have a villain that you can hate and despise in, like everything about him like everything okay when they finally take him out you know it feels great in this 
he like like you said, he's a bumbling cop. He doesn't seem to know what's going on. He's kind of like, you know, he's got some of the same tendencies that Hugo had in the comic, but I don't hate him. And he isn't nearly mean enough to Eugene right. to also mm-hmm. rise to that that level of, hey, I really don't like this character. You know, I, I really don't like what's going on. I mean, he he was kind of rude when he was making his dinner, you know, but he is just terrible to Eugene in the comics. Yeah, and I, w- I want to add quickly that I think them having the wife still be alive but catatonic is an inroad for them to kind of try and make him sympathetic or to make him at least more dimensional than this guy who's just a total asshole. Like, like where you said, Rob, no redeeming quality. This guy's just a complete villain. And I thought he would be the villain of the, you know, maybe of the, the first season when I, when I saw that he was cast, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be it at all. It seems like he's going to be, like you said, potentially redeemable. Arseface. Um, or do you guys want to have anything to say about Hugo Root, Keith? No, no. I think I think you kind of you, you you kind of said it. I I want to come back to the idea of do you think we've seen the villain of this of this season yet? Mm-hmm. But but I want I want to talk about Arseface first. That's fine. All right. So the Arseface, I loved it. I I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> I thought that um, I tried to not read the subtitles and kind of see if I could tell what he was saying, you know, but they ended up reading the the subtitles anyway that they did subtitles, I think is, is, is pretty great. And then the scene where he's talking to Jesse and he's like, you know, God's not talking back to me. You know, I'm afraid that there's something so bad that you can do that. He won't forgive you for, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't, they don't name it. You, you look at his face, you know what happened, you know what he did. You don't know why he did it. Um, that was such a great, powerful scene for me. And that when I saw that scene, I was like, they might do some really good things with this show. It might have this crazy tone and this hyper violence. But if they can if they can keep Jesse on this path, you know, in, in his heart like this, then there's potential, you know, for a really, really good story. Mm-hmm. And and I and I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of our space because there wasn't enough of him in the comic. I think he's a great character. I think the actor did a great job. I think that scene very, very good, very, very powerful. Keith, how do you feel about? It? Can I, I just want to say quickly, it's impossible to not read subtitles, right? Yeah. When yes. there are subtitles on your yeah. screen, you have to read them. You have to read them. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Why, That's why, why I always that? turn them off in video games mm-hmm. because. I want to watch the game when I have to watch the game more than I want to be reading subtitles. Exactly. Okay. I'm not the only crazy person. Great. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yep. I agree. Um, yeah, for me, I guess the, my only question was, um, Rob, do you watch game of Thrones? I have, you, you have, have you read the books? Yes. Okay. So in the books, there's a there's a moment when Tyrion gets horribly wounded. He has his nose cut off, right? Yeah, gets his nose cut off, and kind of slashed. His face gets slashed, and uh, you know, so horribly disfigured. Then that scene comes in the TV series, and he gets like a nick mm-hmm. across his nose, um, that heals and pretty much keeps his visage together um 
Did you have any feelings like that when it came to Arse Face? A little bit of... They obviously kept the arse. Like they didn't go far enough? But they didn't go far enough? To, did any of that register with you? Or or, or did you... Did, did it all work? I think it worked. And I think, you know, to make it palatable on TV, they had to make sure they had most of his face there. They had to um, at least get the ass part of the ass face in. <laughs> oh, <right>? they nailed that. <laughs> that was absolutely nailed. Uh, yeah, and I guess I guess for me, I was wondering, you know, I, I just kept looking at other parts of his face and his head for context clues of what exactly happened to the rest of his face. And I just felt like they could have they could have gone one step further. I agree. I wouldn't have wanted a like completely like weeping eye or anything like that. Like uh, something that's just like continually grotesque other than the arse of his face. Um, but there was a little element of, of, of me that was looking at his ear or the top yeah, of I his kept head. Looking at his eyes. Cause yeah, his eyes his, are relatively normal. Yeah. His eyes just having just, just, you know, that one final piece to say he didn't just, cause right now it almost looks like a surgical shot to his mouth. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I was just like, it's, it's almost like he wanted to create an arse on his face. <laughs> that's the only way to get that outcome rather than, well, that's a guy who shotgun blasted his face. Like in, in the comics, it's a little, it's drawn a little more uh, fully realized. I felt now having said that, the interpretation of him as a character, I, I completely love too. Um, and I, I thought that scene was, was great. And, you know, again, if you have anything that feigns at addressing the spirituality of the, of the comics, um, in any serious light, it's, it's scenes like that. I think they had to keep the face like that so that there would be mobility so that you could actually see some emotion in his face. And if it was any more distorted and destroyed, he may not have been able to, to act properly. And and I don't know, may seem as realistic as it does. Yeah. It's, it's the Tyrion argument. If you want people to identify with a character, you can't, you know, completely, take their nose off their face you know people are gonna have just a visceral reaction being like i don't care about that character as much i think that's that's probably a piece of it too where you just didn't want him want to make him you know ultra grotesque and then ask us to care about him because he is like you said before rob he's he's a sweet character you know so what do you think justin uh ours face grosses me out still grosses me out i don't like looking at him yep so it might be a sweet character, but I cannot look at his literal butthole face because <laughs> it, it's gross. It just looks gross to me. Well, what about the scene and the things he was saying? And I mean, did it did it get you in the feels? No, yes. That that's definitely something. Yeah, what he says, it's definitely <laughs> something I wanted to talk about. What we'll say for the end of the show, the the big sort of God and faith topic. But I will say that I thought that the I thought the Arsface's actual dialogue and his what if that's his arc is would pro- is probably going to be one of the most powerful ones in the show because I think that that this idea of have I lost God's favor 
is he listening to me? Does he really exist? That to me is sort of the core question of the series of the television series. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, uh, you know, without getting into it too much, it doesn't, I, I didn't get that impression from the comics from what I've read so far, but I, in terms of the actual character, I think our face is, is great. And it's definitely going to be an interesting experiment to pair that sort of deep thinking sort of kind of what can be scary thinking, you know, like existentially scary with a guy who's inadvertently mutilated his face to look like a butthole, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's a great, it's a great juxtaposition that the person who, you know, he, he is the epitome of the person who's losing out the most. If God abandons his post, right. A person who needs God the most would, would be something like that. I mean, the the other thing, though, that I thought about was, like, just put a surgical mask on. And you're literally just like everyone else. That's true. Go out there in church with a surgical mask. just moved to Japan, right? They're always wearing surgical masks. They're always wearing it. Yeah, they wouldn't look twice at them. Okay, a couple more things before we get into the big faith discussion. As big as it can be, because we don't want this to be super long. Um, Jesse's, we get a couple of flashbacks to Jesse's backstory. The biggest difference, and maybe I'm misremembering the comic, is that so the flashbacks we get are of Jesse's dad on his knees talking to Jesse and then he gets shot in the head, right? All that happens in the comics, but he's not a preacher in the comics, right? No. Right, Rob? I'm Googling right now. I didn't think he was. It sure seemed like it because he's following in his father's footsteps, taking over. Oh, you know what? It was it was grandma that made him become a preacher. Exactly. I don't right. think his dad was his a dad preacher. was in the war. They came back home. I can't remember what he did, but I didn't think he was a preacher. So that could so I mean, but that's the, it just seems like a interesting change because in one way it seems like they could use that to kind of circumvent the whole mm-hmm. religious zealots backstory. Right. It just was I thought an interesting change. Yeah. But that was the one thing that, that stuck That's out That's a big to me. one, yeah. So does that to you, um, I mean, obviously they're going to have to talk about the family eventually, but I guess it was kind of reassuring to see that in the first episode and to realize in some way or the other they are going to tackle this crazy religious family backstory. Yeah, you have to assume that uh, Jody's the one that's shooting him in the head, right? Right. Yeah. Did you get a feeling like they kind of, they almost wanted to make, like, if you didn't have any connection to the story, do you think someone could have the, um, the, the impression that he shot his own father? No, because they, don't they cut to a boy crying? Maybe I'm not remembering that. Yeah. Correctly. Yeah. But I was just saying like, like, you know, maybe he was being forced to do it. Oh, I see. But, but it was almost like in the way that it was set up that he was, he was, uh, I don't know. It, it just made me feel like they were implying or someone could come away with the idea that he, he had to shoot his father or something. Right. Um, how did you guys feel about the Southern accents on the show? I'm not qualified to answer. So it didn't uh, bug you in any way? 
It bugged me when I was listening to the what Dominic Cooper. I was trying to figure out what accent he was doing at first. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was like, I guess this is a southern accent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as a as someone with, you know, East Coast, North, you know, I, I don't know accents. So yeah. I have no idea. I watched the first episode ever of True Blood. <laughs> and after hearing the accents... Well, those are Louisiana accents, right? Yeah, and that people tried to do with those accents. Uh-huh. I feel like every other accent after episode one of True Blood is just sounds perfect to my ear. Right. Because they they were horrific in that show. So it didn't didn't bother me. Okay. Yeah, it, did, it didn't. I, it, I didn't pick up on it at all. But my wife, who was kind of watching kind of not watching would occasionally chime in with those southern accents are really bad <laughs> so i thought i would is she ask. from the south she's not she's from virginia beach which, is virginia the south well virginia, virginia beach which i would not classify as the south Mm-mm. all right because you guys don't have accents no i'm from ohio though i'm from miami yeah <laughs> well, so. Miami South. Why don't you get a Southern accent in Miami? My, my, Miami is like the so far south. It's north. It's like <laughs> it's like Miami is its own unique spot. It's like it's like the the island on Lost. You should talk like Rick Ross. Why don't you talk like Rick Ross? I should talk like Pitbull. Oh my lord! Last thing I have. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. There are two sort of cowboy investigators that pop up throughout the episode. They, um, I guess they show up from the very beginning where they show up to investigate the African church where the preacher blows up dressed like they're just like 18th. cowboys. No, no, not, not in Africa. In Everywhere Africa, they, they are. They're, they're, they're dressed the right like, clothes. Oh, that's right. That's right. Like col- colonial. That's right. Um, and our assumption was that they are in the comics. Now this is now this is so this is where I wanted to talk about the 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 arc of the show the sort of the 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 I don't know what the show is getting at the TV show and the comics because in the comics it's I never got the sense that Jesse was or wanted to be a preacher or really had any sort of faith and that his search for I never got the feeling that his search for God was sort of like an analogy for someone's search for God. It just felt like a here's the stakes we've set up in this real in this world God is real and Jesse is literally looking to find God because he wants to do something to him, right? Get he's not like to or kill him. Beat him up for quitting. Right. He's not looking for God in a spiritual sense. He's literally looking for God in a missing person sense, right? So in the, but in the show, to me, I'm getting the opposite feeling. And that is, um, the catalyst for that was Arsface's dialogue. And, uh, maybe there's another, another one I was thinking of, but I can't remember now, but it's this. So in the show, we have no idea. Now, it's only the first episode, but we have no idea if God is real or not. And I mean, I guess you can make the assumption that he is, given that the Genesis thing mm-hmm. exists and given that these two investigators exist. And in the comics, they're angels. 
we don't know what they're going to be in the show yet. But the feeling I got from the show was that it's going to be a much more um, sort of a spiritual approach to this idea of the search for God or faith or losing your faith and all that, which given who's making the show and given the source material was a surprise to me because if I didn't, I didn't, I did not expect them to take it as seriously as the arse face scene portrayed. Um, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. So how, uh, Rob, let's start with you. How did that, how, how has the, how has the show set up this sort of, uh, discussion around faith or the search for faith or lack thereof how is that how did that feel to you and quickly back to the angels um the the clue that we got that they were angels was when he tried to drink the tea and it didn't taste good so he ate the tea bag because that's oh one of the tropes goodness mm-hmm. okay it, see it, i saw that and it, i just was like because they also play like really sinister music when that happens so i was like wait a minute am i supposed to think this guy's like he eats Tough tea stuff because he eats a tea bag. <laughs> so they have like to taste anything; it has to be very, very strong. I see. Interesting. So, and I, and I think that's also hinting towards some of the debauchery that the angels do in the comics. Uh-huh. They're like they're on Earth; they're gonna go and do some stuff, right? Because if nobody's looking after them. You know, maybe we'll see some of that. They're gonna right. eat some tea bags. The, the other thing too is the way that they dress when whenever they show up. It's like a caricature so it's like they don't fully understand the the dress code or the culture of the day right they're just kind of going off of either the last time they were here or approximations of what they've seen can you remind me what the question was so how how did you feel that the show handled and introduced this faith sort of storyline in the series well i was uh, conflicted because I thought that the arse face, when they, when they handled it in the arse face conversation, you know, it was very down to earth, well-written. It, it felt, it felt real. It felt, it felt good. And then at the very end, when he's talking on the pulpit, that's what you call it, right? The pulpit. And he's <laughs> up there and he's, and he does this. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to fight for you guys. It was like the most contrived, terrible, like, was it intentionally poorly written? Or like I couldn't come to grips with the same person writing both scenes because one seemed, you know, like an accurate portrayal of, you know, of, of people. And the other one was this like hokey, terrible thing at the very, very end. Um, I want them in the show. I want God to, to be real. And I want that like Jesse to have to kind of like come to grips with that. And whether he's going to search for him in in his soul or in, or in you know reality, I'm not sure. But that's the story I want to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they follow this almost. I want to say, wasn't there like a movie? I want to see if they follow this thread or this idea that God has quit and kind of run away. <laughs> like, wasn't there a movie about, about that? Are you talking about dogma? Maybe Kevin Smith. I that'll be interesting to see if they tackle that, or if it just remains a purely like sort of unknowable, 
like if maybe God they is real think or not. he quit, but they're not hundred yeah, percent sure. I don't know. Uh, you know, you, you talk about like the 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 big soliloquy at the end, and <clears throat> I think for me, it, it is kind of. I think it is poorly written on purpose because again, you cut to like his his audience, and it's like. Oh, there's the guy whose arm he snapped. And, you know, there's the uh, sheriff who doesn't like him or care Uh about him. There's Cassidy and Tulip, you know, in the back. And he's giving this impassioned speech to a bunch of people who I, you know, other than the, the new lady who's introduced in the show, the organist, they could care less, I think, whether... He was there or not there. They've also gone out of their way throughout this episode to say that he is not a good preacher. Exactly. Like he's just bad at his job. Exactly. So so I think I think it is kind of it's Don Quixote-esque of like tilting at windmills. Like here's this man's rallying cry as he runs once more into the breach of a battle that he's not going to win, you know, because they kind of juxtapose his reaffirmation of his faith. With a man carrying out his word and literally cutting his heart out and giving it to his mother, <laughs> you know. I mean, so I think, I think it was. I think if anything, they maybe leaned a little too into that joke of writing a little too cliched, you know, mm. like rah rah faith speech. But I think the intention was still there, and you could still see that. So what did you think of the actual ending, Keith? We get to see him use the word and then you slowly realize as the as the uh, I love the 80s guy pulls the knife out that he's literally following these directions. Although I will say if he was literally following the directions of open your heart, it would cut open. he would have had to then try to cut the heart open. Exactly. Because all he did was open his chest. Right. He opened his chest jar. He's he's right. probably kicking himself in heaven or depending where <laughs> he went. Just as he's dying, yeah, show he's, him like fumbling the knife into uh, the heart. Uh, I got it. Um, so, uh, I mean, for you, it wasn't slow, right? I mean, as soon as Jesse turned to him and said, uh, "Be honest, open your heart to her." I didn't you, think that was going to happen. Are you serious? I, no. I, see, I, I. What about you, Rob? Did you know as soon as he said that 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 guy was going to cut his heart out? That's what I wanted. Oh yeah, I, no, that, I wanted him to take it literally, and I was, and I wanted to see, is that where the is that where this show is going? Is that what they're gonna do? And they did it. Well, yeah, I mean, well, they kind of have like look at the comic, right? Look at how the sheriff meets his end, carrying out in a, a very literal way, in a very literal way, carrying out what was said to him. So I felt like I felt like yeah, they they've got to do that, and they they've you can see them setting up again where they're going to go. Like, how do you, as a man who's trying to keep this, you know, spark of a faith going, how do you keep it alive when the gift of the word has now led you to cause an innocent man to cut his heart out in front of his mother? You think he's going to even hear about it? Oh yeah. He's going to hear about it. When that guy doesn't call him after calling him every single night, he's going to, and, and especially with his renewed, you know, fervor, he's going to he's gonna follow up on that guy. He's going to find out what happened. Yeah, it, f- it feels like he has to just so they have that moment where he realizes what this power is, right? 
Well, I mean, he could find it another way, but I do think that this one specifically is going to come sure. back. Okay. Any other uh, thoughts? Anything we didn't touch on that you guys wanted to bring up? Um, what about? So I just had a few observations. Uh, what do you think of the Tom Cruise joke? And do you think the leftovers did celebrity jokes better? No, I like the Tom Cruise joke. And the leftovers were so in your face about it that it was annoying. Annoying. Leftovers was perfect strangers, right? Yeah. Ba- Balky or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I- I'd go with the leftovers a little bit better. Um, I don't see Tom Cruise as a, as a spiritual man. I guess that's why it's funny. <laughs> oh, he's, have you seen him jumping on, uh, <laughs> On should have should talk it have show been tables. David Miscavige, right? Oh yeah, there you go. That would instead of Tom Cruise. Um. All right. I wanted to know really quick from you, from both of you, what was your biggest disappointment in the episode? And maybe from you, Rob. I know we we kind of talked about your general disappointment and kind of adjusting to the characters, but if you had to boil down to one disappointment in this pilot episode, what would it be? Um. Go to Justin first. Give me a second. You know, honestly, I don't think I had a biggest disappointment. I mean, obviously I said it before. I don't have much of a connection with the series. I've read, I haven't read that much of the comic. I mean, I've read a good amount of the comics, but not enough to really, I just, I never had any connection to it. Uh, I wasn't expecting much going into it just because I'm a skeptic at heart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But so I, I really liked it and I really don't think I had anything that, like I said, there were a couple of moments like uh, Cassidy's intro that I just thought was a little, I was just glad that they're kind of flying by it. Like the, like that whole thing is like, I'm glad they didn't dwell on this too much because it doesn't really make any sense. Um, And I, and I will say not my, obviously not my biggest disappointment, but something that I was really surprised by, because wasn't this also directed by Seth Rogen? The pilot? I really like the style of the episode overall. So did I. The the title cards, the font, the uh, the 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 titles that show up on the scenes. I really liked the um, fight scene in the bar, where uh, it just is is highly stylized and it's slowing down, and you're getting these like really brash winks at the camera almost from Jesse while he's fighting. I just really like the overall style of the episode. There was that point that where you look at his face and he gets that little grin. Yeah. That, exactly. that was good. That was good. Yeah. My biggest disappointment was, you know, when the show starts and they're like in outer space and it's kind of cheesy and Genesis is coming down when we finally got to see Genesis, you know, we could hear a baby crying in the background a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. But they didn't go full on and do the whole weird, crazy baby face from the comics. And I think they could have done that. And I think they should have just went like, all right, full crazy. Give, it, <laughs> give us a baby face. Yeah. Um, and my moment was the, was the sound that Jesse predicted uh-huh. in his beatdown of the abusive father. And he compared it to a rabbit being caught in a bear trap. Right. The sound that the man makes does not sound like a rabbit in a bear trap. And I was 
<laughs> very disappointed. I was extremely disappointed. Justin and I just watched um, The Nice Guys. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Gosling has a high-pitched scream that he does in that yeah. movie. That is transcendent as a noise that a human makes mm-hmm. who's in pain. And this one was... I just felt like the guy, he had a choice to make. He could either go for it or he could be self-conscious. And he, he chose the self-conscious route. And I wanted, I wanted to hear more of a rabbit in a bear trap mm-hmm. noise. Or a Gosling getting his arm broke noise. Yeah, give me a Gosling. Just pipe that one in. That would in Jesse's perfect. defense, I don't think he got to do everything he wanted to do. <laughs> you know, the sheriff had shown up and, you know, so... He kind of went easy on him. Oh, okay, yeah. so you think that he was like, after that he was going to pull the marrow out? And- that was a taste. Okay. That Reddit thing, I do want to talk about that. I have something real quick to say. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, so there was a post on Reddit about uh, someone grabbed a screenshot of the bottle of whiskey that I believe Jesse was drinking from. And the label on it is a silhouette of a villain from the comics taken from the, the silhouette is literally a silhouette taken from the comics. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it means we're not going to get the scene of killers. I think that means really, yeah, I think that means that they're going somewhere different and that he's out. I mean, wouldn't he be? cast wouldn't he be in the first season going back to what i asked before about the villain of season one i do think it is the saint of killers yeah there isn't any real established bad guy in the first episode right it seems like he's such a big part of the comics and he's such a awesome character it feels like he has to be included so I just don't see how he's not going to be in it. But I I mean they could be keeping a secret, who knows. Yeah, that that's my prediction for this season. That's our villain. Um the the villain has been cast. It's Odin Quinn Cannon. It's not someone that you guys have gotten to yet in mm. the series. Dang it. Hmm. All right, well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna hold fast. I'm gonna use I'm gonna <laughs> use the word right now, and I'm gonna speak it. And right now, Seth Rogen is gonna go back and shoot uh, shoot some extra scenes. Uh-huh. Is that uh, was that spoiler territory? I apologize. No. Yeah. Who right. cares? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> I'll put it in the uh, I'll put it in the show notes. So next week, since the uh, since the show is taking a break, like I talked about before, it's got that weird schedule where it, the, it premiered last night and then for whatever reason it's taking a week off and then it comes back in two weeks. So what we're going to do next week is Keith and I will try and read as much of the comic as we can. Rob, I guess you'll be doing the same since you're rereading, right? Yep. And... uh We'll we'll be back next week, and we will be talking um, maybe a little bit, uh, maybe expanding a little bit more on our thoughts of the pilot. But we'll be mainly talking about the uh, the comics and our feelings on the comics and how much we've read 
since the first episode. Uh, but you've been listening to Everything is Television. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or the Google Play Store. Uh, you can check out our show notes or our website, eipodcast.com, for uh, links to any of the stuff we talked about. I'll, I'll, pr- I'll put the uh, link to that uh, Saint of Killers screen grab in the show notes. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter. We are at eipodcasts. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at blizzard with nine Z's. I'm at things come right. I'm at shiny underscore Rob. And hey, listen to my other podcast, best of three podcast, where I sit with my three best friends and talk about dumb stuff. Was I allowed to do that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to Rob's podcast. It's great. We have a podcast that we do uh, occasionally. I feel like it's probably going to drop off again since we're doing this, but who knows? No, 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 no. (laughs) That is called uh, Everything is Interesting. Um, But yeah, you can find all of our contact information in the show notes. We would love any feedback you have. Contact the best way is probably Twitter. Um, So thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Yeah.